Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm a pastor here. Happy Father's Day. In honor of the dads today, we have brats for all and beers. That is root beer, right? So stick around after the service today and just have some fun with those. If your dad is not here, well, I guess feel free to take a brat for him. Uh, although that would never work for moms on Mother's Day, showing up with just a lukewarm brat for your dad still isn't a half bad gift, right? Like he might not love it, but let's be real, he'll eat it. He'll eat it, that's for sure. But stick around and have a broad and just at the very least hang around for a little bit with some of the other people after the service. Uh, This Sunday we're wrapping up our series, as JC said, called Book Club. We've been looking at some books that could be good summer reads uh, to add to your list. If you're not a reader, don't worry. This book club is probably the only one you don't actually have to read anything in to be a part of because during the message time you get all the good and important and helpful stuff from the book. You get to literally cheat off of my notes and my time on what these books are all about and see if it's worth the read for you. My hope, though, from this series is the information you gain during the message time will help you grow in your relationship with God and maybe inspire you to read the book if it's fitting for you and add it to your summer reads, because it is a good book. Uh, We started uh, this series, uh, this is our last week, but we started the series with with The Power to Change uh, by Craig Rochelle. We did The Chronicles of Narnia last week, um, but today's a little bit different than the first two weeks, as it's on a topic that puts more strain on marriages than anything else. It consumes more free time in one's day than anything else. will supposedly cost you over a quarter million dollars over the years. Uh, Some things that are quite minor but are a bit of an addition based off of my experience. They will cause you to gain weight because you eat these all the time, chips, because you're stress eating. They'll destroy your stuff. They'll mess you up your house. They'll put an end to your like boys getaway trips, like whitewater rafting or biking or high adrenaline getaways. It will leave you exhausted at night, yet exhausted in the morning still. It will leave you looking like a hot mess, stained and all. They will make you become a Costco member or Sam's Club member, but also one who eats the pizza or the food there, Because you're just too exhausted to go anywhere else. Any guesses on what we're talking about today? Parenting and children, yes. This Sunday we're looking at the book called Parenting, Getting It Right. It's by Andy Stanley and Sandra Stanley. Now before you maybe count yourself out for this message because you're thinking, well, we didn't get it right. Or I'm past the parenting years. Or maybe you're not a parent and you are feeling like you can already check out of this message and you're maybe regretting your decision to show up to church. I'll remind you, though, we have brats. All right? But for real, before you count yourself out, hear me out. Uh, Today's book is meant to help parents, but it will also give you, a non-parent, amazing insight on how to support parents and kids today. Ideas on how you can encourage and support your kids as maybe grandparents or your friends with kids or helping them do the God-honoring thing as parents. Which, if you're a part of this church, more than about 80% of the people are either kids or parents of kids here. Uh, And that's who you're going to be interacting with. And on behalf of a group, because I'm one who does have kids, we need your help. We need your help. 
So today, not only do we want to help parents with this message, but we want to inspire all people, old parents or not parents at all, to have wisdom in how they can encourage and support those who are. And today's book does just that. The book that we're looking at, again, it's Parenting, Getting It Right by Andy Stanley. Uh, It was written by him along with his wife, Sandra. He's a pastor of North Point Church. It's a very good, healthy church. They have three grown adult children who are out of the house and they're on their own now. They have a daughter who's married with a degree in Christian ministry and plugged into their church. They have a middle son who's like a a bougie digital marketer and their oldest son's a comedian. I personally keep pumping out daughters as a dad because I'm hoping that I get the result Andy did with the daughter and maybe skip some of the other ones with the the sons, uh, working in ministry and avoiding the yuppie son or the, the comedian. I'm kidding on all this because I honestly, I don't care what my children become. I actually love the idea of a comedian. That'd be fun. But I do hope for the same result that the, that the Stanleys got and that they claim they got, which is kids who enjoy being with us and with each other even when they no longer have to be. This is the theme of the entire book. They focus on how you can parent to get to the point where your kids want to have a meaningful relationship with you in the future. They state that, that future, it's, it, that later is longer, meaning parenting for the adult years and the relationship we want to have with them as adults is valuable and way longer than the, the grind of the 18 years prior. So that's what the Stanleys set out to do, and they achieved it. Now, if you're a parent in the room... Would you say you want that? Would you say you would desire that? Do you hope your children one day have a desire to be with you and want to spend time with you after your 18 years with them at home? Do you have an adult child who maybe you want to reconnect with as they're they're aging? Do you, as maybe a a non-parent, want to help your friends or your family or your church and the people you interact with often find lifelong fulfillment and satisfaction in their relationship with their kids? If so, I think this book by the Stanleys offers some really great wisdom. And their wisdom, it comes from being parents, just trying to figure it out, reflection on what they've seen other parents do, and then also looking to the Bible for, for clear direction on what they should do. Again, today the Stanleys, they're on the other side of parenting, as in they're ones who did it. They accomplished their goal. For me, like up here on stage, I'm not pretending to have it all figured out as a parent. I'm not claiming to be the best parent. I'm not even claiming to be a parent who's doing it right currently. I'm not. Because as a dad or a parent, I'm still so new to this. I don't have wisdom. I have ideas. I have opinions. But I have no wisdom. I'm still at the stage where if I do anything right, I chalk it up to beginner's luck. We did it. Yay, that worked. Let's try that again. That's kind of where we're at. But I want you to know that because as I'm speaking on parenting today and refer to different tactics, I'm speaking from a place uh, where I've gained this insight from this book and and scripture, not from my own personal experience. Because honestly, if I'm real with you about me as a dad, I'm still figuring out like how to do it and how to navigate it on my own. I still have my personal struggles as a parent. Like today, I'm the dad at times who from the daily grind of working, That when I get home at times, I just want to sit on the couch and be on my phone and avoid those very limited hours that I have before bedtime with the kids. I'm I'm a dad who at times is a bit selfish in how we choose to spend our weekends. Like, it's all about fun for me, not necessarily what's fun for the family or the kids. 
I'm the dad who can get really crazy and play and wrestle with our kids and have very focused time with them for about 30 minutes, but to be this consistent, stable, available, and connected to them all day long is super tough for me. I'm this parent that it's all about spending big money on my kids. Let's buy it. Yeah, let's get this for the kids. But I won't play the free game of hide and seek or chase with my kid because I'm just exhausted. Uh, I'm the dad who's wondering if 6 p.m. is too early of a bedtime for our kids. Because I'm ready for bed at that time. And it's calm once they're in bed. And honestly, bedtime's pretty good for me too, right? Uh, I'm the one who prefers not to discipline. I'd prefer to just go with the flow and, and see how things end up instead of make a plan. I'd prefer not to talk about the things we see wrong in our child or see going on with our kids and just kind of let it work it out on its own. Can you relate to any of these feelings? Because this is me. If so, again, I think today will help us start moving in the direction of getting it right Andy Stanley, he states this, he says, relationships are built on small, consistent deposits of time. You can't cram for what's most important. If you want to connect with your kids, you've got to be available consistently, not randomly. And that quote is something that should provide hope for all people in the room today, parents in the room today. No matter how wrong you got it or are doing it right now, you can start somewhere today and have discipline to be consistent I'm hoping we start connecting with this idea because it's also in Scripture. Ephesians 6.4, it says, Fathers or, or parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I want to highlight the words discipline and instruction for a second here. Discipline, it's defined as this, like it's to train someone to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. Or like the last one, it's to train oneself to do something in a controlled and habitual way. What's interesting about the word discipline is when we choose to do what's right and continuously do it over and over, that's discipline. It's the training. It's the personal conscious choice. But then we also discipline in another way with parenting. It's to teach a child to go a certain direction and to teach there are consequences for things. Proverbs, it tells us to do not withhold discipline from a child. Being a parent who is disciplined is one who is consistently connecting, but also correcting and disciplining is what the book shows more than anything else. So as we start to kind of dive into our book, I want to ask you, what do you want most out of your parenting? What do you want like, to be the primary thing that you're focused on as a parent? What's your north star, in a sense? What are you disciplined for? What do you choose to discipline for? I mean, a lot of things probably come to mind for you. Maybe it's to be, for your kids to be kind or to be a Christian or to be studious and get good grades. Is it to have a relationship with them? Is it to have them have good friends or find a good spouse or have them move out or to go to college or get a particular job, be athletic, get that scholarship, to be self sustainable, to live a happy life. They're all good things, right? All those are good things. But ultimately, what's the one thing that you primarily focus on? Because at one point, school and sports will kind of compete. Or kindness and competitiveness, they'll conflict. Or choosing work experience over faith, faith growth is attention, or having to sacrifice happiness for them to become obedient is necessary. The reason I ask this is direction determines destination, the Stanley State. 
This is a principle of life for everyone in the room, not just for parents or parenting. If you know the destination you want to go, you can orient your direction or the direction. Uh, does anyone here use a GPS often, like their phone, maps, Google Maps? Who are my people? Those are me. Uh, that's me. Who would be like completely lost if you didn't have it for a week? Yep, that's me too. Okay, there we are. Anyone get really mad if you miss a turn? No, no one with a hand. Okay, a few. Anyone get really mad at your wife or spouse when driving because you, they made you miss a turn? Okay, okay. Uh, if you had the person, I'm just curious for a second here. If you had the person that you're sitting next to right now give you directions, would you get that bad? No, you would not. You would not. You don't even know that person, and you love your spouse. So I'm just saying maybe that's something you need to start with working up. But anyways, you don't just get to a particular place in, let's say, Miami, Florida, by driving south. You have a destination, but the direction needs to be fine-tuned or to be clear. Direction or specific decisions and route, they get you to a destination. Same goes with the lack of direction, right? Like not having a defined direction does not get you to a particular destination. For example, if you want a really good marriage, but if you just do what feels good to only you, is not the direction that's going to lead to a healthy marriage that lasts. Or you want to save money, but you just buy whatever pops up to you or what's on sale, that is not going to get you to the direction of saving money. Or you want your kids to have a meaningful relationship with God, so you throw in a splattering of faith things with other things, but nothing consistent is not the direction that gets to that destination. Direction or consistent decision-making and orienting help you get to your destination. Again, in the, the first book we talked about, The Power to Change by Craig Rochelle, it was the first one of the series, we saw in the Bible the Apostle Paul he had his direction on a particular prize, which was to win. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. And that win, it wasn't this random thing to him. It was to reach more for Christ. He says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. And if you read the few verses even prior to that, you see Paul, he's training. He trains. He adapts things about himself so that he could spread the good news to lots and win his win. What's your win? What's your direction you go when it comes to parenting? What direction are you pushing your kids towards? Because when you know yours, you can then filter all of your decisions through it. In the book, what they call this is their North Star. And again, it's, this is what their North Star was. It was kids who enjoy being with us and with each other even when they no longer have to be. They parented with that end relationship in mind. I'm not here on stage to say that that's what yours should be or that's what's right. I honestly, I have a little bit of a personal critique of that one. Like that's just my opinion because I think faith should be part of that. But whatever it is for you, it's important to ask yourself and come to a clear conclusion on what your North Star is for parenting. So for you, what is it? If you're unsure, I think that's a valuable discussion to have with your spouse this week. If you're not a parent in the room, I think it's a valid question that you can ask your adult kids or your friends or your acquaintances. Ask them what theirs is for their kids. Because, first off, 
you're pointing or prompting the question, it helps them ponder if, it, if they're pursuing godliness, if they're pursuing something that would be God-honoring. But secondly, you then, then know how to better assist them to achieve their win as a friend or an acquaintance or a family member, helping them parent towards their win. From there, when you have your direction, your North Star, the Stanleys, what they do is they break down parenting into stages. They, the four stages of parenting uh, that they kind of declare are the discipline years, the training years, the coaching years, and the friendship years. Now, if it was me breaking down the stages of parenting, I'd say it's summed up more like this. Check it out. <clears throat> oh, he's perfect. He makes such cute babies. Oh, oh. <coughs> He hiccuped. Oh, that was the sweetest hiccup. Everything he does is sweet. Even his little poops are sweet. Oh, his poops are precious, just like him. We're like sevens, but our babies are like elevens. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Easily an eleven. Yeah. Oh, oh. <sighs> Taylor. Taylor. All right, I got all the meals prepped for the week. Did you get the bottles washed? Yep, how about the laundry? Check. Did you get the other kids dropped off? On time. Did you feed the baby? He's full. Did you walk the cat? On it! <laughs> oh, no! The lasagna! Babe! You didn't put any of these meals away. Yeah, well, neither did you. I had to pump. Yeah. And here is the bed sheet. Sweet, sweet. <clears throat> but where is the... It's worth it. Yeah. Eventually. Probably. I know you can relate at least a little bit to that, no matter what stage you're in as a parent. Uh, other books and research, they have like those, like, so these are the stages of the, the book that we're looking at today, but there's other books out there that have similar stages. Uh, here's another book that's like kind of got some good biblical concepts in it, but they have the similar stages, like so age, laying the foundation, birth through five, doing the framing, six to 12, installing the functional systems, 13 to 17. So it's like there are stages that are very similar to the book that we're looking at. Uh, I just want to get a poll on the room, though, for a second here. Who would say they're in the discipline years right now? Like, you're in the discipline years. You're, you're grinding it out for that. All right, who would say they're in the training years? Okay, we've got some trainers in here. Who would say they're in the coaching years? Okay, who would say that they feel like they're in the training or the discipline or the coaching years, but they're not really in that, that age or, or stage? Who would say they're in the friendship years right now? Awesome, awesome. Which one's the hardest? You can talk in church. Someone, tell me afterwards, because I, I do, really do want to know, actually. Uh, but we're going to touch briefly on each stage that they cover in the book, starting with the discipline years. Now, the discipline years are zero to five, and this is the prime time of teaching obedience, they say, and following up with consequences. This is the grind. This is what I'm in with my wife, with our two girls, of correcting and telling and stopping and correcting and telling and stopping and giving consequences and on and on and on and on. It's the prime time you have to teach your child to respect you, authority of, uh, to respect authority, to respect others, to, to respect God even. As a Christian parent, this is immensely important because when you teach children to be obedient to you, you are also inevitably teaching them to respect the Lord. Because if they don't respect your desires, an earthly parent who is physically present 
how in the world would they respect a heavenly father who isn't? If they don't learn obedience and respect in this stage, it only gets harder in the later years, the Stanley state. But it's tough to follow through on, and it's tough to do because it's the grind when you're in the mix of it. It's so easy to let that cute talking back happen. Like, it's just, it's cute, let's just let it happen. Or it's just faster to clean it up yourself and not make them do it. Or it's just easier to let your child be rude for that moment, or let them interrupt without correction for that time. It's easy to let your child get away with certain things, because in the future we'll deal with it. Or it's so desirable to avoid discipline for a night and just enjoy it, to just enjoy the night. It's embarrassing sometimes to require obedience from your children in front of others. Again, these wise ways and thoughts, they are not me. This is from others. This is from the book that we're looking at. Because when I hear this, when I hear this wisdom, I'll be the first to say, come on, seriously. Like, why worry? We'll figure it out someday. Like, and seriously, who's got energy for all of that and can do all of that? That's me initially. If it was up to just me, I think our kids would be horrible. Because that's me. But Sydney, my wife, she, on the other hand, knows how to lay down the law. She does. She does not spare the rod. Uh, Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children and care enough to discipline them. No, my wife does not beat our children with a rod. She wants me to clarify that. But she does know how to be stern and discipline, and it's extremely sexy. <laughs> but it's also extremely biblical. Proverbs 22.6, it says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. As a parent, you have the responsibility to start them on a path to obedience because a path to obedience is the path of Christ-likeness. The three things the Stanleys prioritized fixing in the discipline years were what they called the three Ds. They would fix disobedience, dishonesty, and disrespect. You can't correct everything, but what prominent discipline does your child need to get you to your North Star, the thing you've decided upon, to the destination that you have in mind for your kids? If you're not a parent in the room, one way that you can be supportive in this stage is not giving glances when parents are trying to handle those awkward meltdowns of their kids in this stage. Maybe they're at the Target checkout or Fat Joe's or when they're kicking and screaming at church. Just hypothetically speaking, of course. I know those all too well. But understanding, being someone that understands that parents are disciplining in those moments because they want their children to obey them so that maybe they one day obey God. That's the beginning stage. The second stage is the training years, 5 to 12. Training years is the long middle session of life, but the Stanley sum it up this way. It's the stage where they are helping our kids gain the skills and values they need to succeed. It's the time to teach their kids what they should do, why they do it, and how to do it so that positive habits are created. And if you have a particular desire for your kids' behavior, they need to be trained you can't assume they will just pick it up. It needs to be explicitly taught. They need to be taught on how to entertain themselves for an hour while you're at a restaurant or at dinner. Or they need to be taught how to behave in church or how to wait to speak or how to pray at night or what cleaning their room really means to you. The stage is the time to train before it's too late. 
I, I say that kind of smiling and chuckling because before becoming a pastor here at this church, I was a youth pastor for eight years, and then I was a middle school teacher before that. Uh, but the youth ministry I ran had about 100 teens every week, and it was with 6th to 12th grade. <clears throat> so I got to see a lot of teens, which means I got to see a lot of different parenting styles, a lot of different behaviors, and so many different things that were acceptable in my eyes and things that I was like, whoa, that's interesting. Um, but I specifically remember my least favorite transition, which was my students going from sixth grade to seventh grade. It was awful. Awful. Generally, sixth graders were this cute mature kid who liked me and liked adults and liked having fun. They liked smiling and they were nice and were up for everything. By seventh grade or like eight months into sixth grade, at age like 13, everything flipped. Everything flipped. They were not cute kids anymore. They were immature adolescents. They hated life. Nothing was fun. Lots of frowns. Didn't want to do anything. And at that point, when they're 13, I could see it was extremely hard for parents to talk with their child, nevertheless train their child anything new. To me, this just shows how important those training years are. At ages 5 to 12, it's the time to train your child forgiveness, like to do it actually, like, and how to ask for forgiveness. It's the time to train manners and how to restore relationships and how to act around others, how to respect authority, how to choose a positive attitude, how to focus, how to control, how to own your actions. As you think of your child, what skills do they need to become who you desire them to be? Again, what are necessary things that you need to implement to get them to your North Star? A lot of us, we tend to go to rules, but the Stanleys avoided rules. Two rules they had was honor your mother and don't tell a lie. Now, this maybe comes across as a bit old school or maybe chauvinistic. Um, or dads, you might be thinking, what about me? What about me? It's Father's Day. Well, the Stanleys, they state this. Dads, if you teach your children to honor their mother and they see you honor their mother, they will instinctively honor you as well. I like hearing this. But it also puts a little bit of pressure on me because I can own how I receive my respect or how much respect I receive for my children. As a dad of two girls, like, I feel I have this pressure. I, I want the girls to see what a man really should do for them and to be for them. How a man should care for them so that they have been trained for high expectations. And that can be done in my marriage and how I take care of my wife, Sydney. If I have a boy one day, I heard, watch out, ah, scary. Um, but, but I have to train them the respect and the care and the affection a, a woman deserves. Again, how I care and treat Sydney. That's the training years. And when it can be summarized as doing things with honor, it encompasses a lot of actions. But what are you training your kids for in that stage? The next stage is the coaching years. Um, the Stanleys believe that these years are the ones where you let your kids start to do things on their own. They get in the game and you are more on the sidelines as a coach. I'm not even close to this stage personally and it makes me extremely nervous even to think about, but this is what they state they do. Um, yeah, okay, occasionally you yank them off the field for a few minutes to let them collect themselves or get some rest, but largely you let them process information and decide for themselves if you try 
try to force teachable moments or bring back training tactics, too often you lose them. They stop talking. They can't wait to leave home because they'll finally have some leeway to succeed or fall or fail apart from you. This is the time where you do more connecting than correcting. I mean, I don't know any teens that like corrections nor handle it well. And if the relationships with you becomes more about correcting, your teen shuts down is what they're saying. Again, I'm not a parent in this stage of life, and I just want to learn, but the advice the Stanleys give in this particular stage is cultivate constant conversation, as in talk consistently. Don't bail, let them fail. Like, don't bail them out. Let them experience their failures, as kids need to learn that their decisions have consequences, and you can do it while you're still with them, and the risks are low. Uh, and then get interested in what interests them. And I guess I can see how these things work and are helpful when it comes to parenting and how the, these stages are all important. But if I specifically just kind of analyze the, the first three stages, and if this is true, if these stages are true or even close to true, it gets me all the more focused on doing what I can in the first two stages of a child's life. Again, the, the discipline years and the training years. There's actually a passage in the Bible, it's in Galatians, that shows how important early stages or the work you put in ahead of time really is. It's sowing. It's, uh, we'll look at it. It's Galatians 6, verses 7 through 8. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Am I sowing a child who is obedient and respectful and can function in the world? Am I getting to where I need them to be, to my north star I have in mind? There's so much I can do, but there's such limited time. Which leads to the last stage, which is the friendship years, 18 plus. It's the time where, you, well, you still get to be a parent, but it's much different. This is the time where you get to sit back, relax, never worry, never concern, never have headaches. I hear some chuckles because that never really happens, right? Especially if you ask any parent of adult children, you always worry. You always care for your kids. But the friendship years are what you've sowed for. And how you start reaping is you start seeing them as the adults that you've trained them to be. The relationship we have with our children, it's not the same relationship they have with us. And that can make or break the relationship you maybe have with your kids because you might not see them as an adult. You might not see them as a potential friend yet, but they might be seeing themselves that way. So two things the Stanleys prioritized doing as they parented in this stage is they, first off, they just wanted to enjoy their kid. Enjoy being with their kid, meaning they extended invitations to them to do things, wanting their kids to be excited about coming home for dinner or participating in vacations and being welcoming to them to come along. The second thing they did is they would always ask before they would give advice, not assume that they have a right to discipline or to train or to coach anymore. That is, that is if that child's on their own, right, if they're living away from home. This is a tough thing to do in any relationship of life, right? But, but as a parent in this stage, are you doing that? Like, whether you're a parent or not, this 
honestly, an essential relationship tip. Don't assume everyone wants your advice or your opinion. They might just want your friendship, your support. So before you spill your opinion in this stage, ask if it's even wanted. But these are the four stages that the Stanleys stated help them get it right. Now, from then on, the book kind of shows a bunch of random things in the mix of what helped them parent. Uh, if you've been to Centerpoint before, you know random is not really my style at all. But let's be real, I, I, I'm learning surviving parenting is random. Like, if you're like, going to make an activity bag to like busy your child, you pack the most random junk you possibly can. Literally, snacks, 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 coloring, uh, toys, stickers, a book. Like, you pack the most random stuff to distract them as possible. Uh, and that's kind of how it seems to be in parents. There's a lot of random things when it comes to parenting. But these were the things that kind of stuck out to me in the rest of the book that I think are prevalent when it comes to being obedient to God as parents. That we are to focus on our time, our words, and our faith. Uh, for the first one, time, just briefly. To kids, time is the currency of love. As a parent, you might love your family in your heart. You love them in your heart, but they can't see your heart. You have to love them on your calendar. I'm a dad who, uh, I like work. I like doing what I do here on, on stage or like throughout the week. I find fulfillment and purpose in it. But this book prompted some real questions of myself, such as, to my kids, do they think that dad's work is more interesting or more valuable or more important than they are to me? For me, that hit me hard. There could be a lot of people who I think could do this job, who could be this pastor of this church, but no one else can be Eliza's and Claire's dad. That is my most important and unique role that I have. I know it, but do I show it with my calendar? To help me navigate this, a big change that I'd made in my life that came from this book, from their ideas that they had, is during the week, I won't compromise more planned evening family time than what we have on our calendar. Uh, I know people need to meet with me outside of like, the office hours I have here, so I'm willing to meet with people as early as they would like. We can meet as early as you want. I love coffee, even if it's 4 a.m. coffee. I will give up my sleep before I give up more family time because time is important in parenting. The second thing that's kind of random that the Stanleys talked a lot about is words. The Stanleys state words are not equally weighted. Source determines weight and intent is irrelevant. What that means is first off, words are not equally weighted because research shows that it takes five to nine positive comments to counterbalance one negative comment. There's weight in what we say to our kids. Source determines weight as well. There are some things moms say that dads just don't that often. I, I'm stereotyping a little bit. Like moms, you tend to say like, you're amazing. You're so cute. I love you. You're beautiful. All that. And it can be good. But when dad does it, because he probably, probably rarely does it, wow, it can be powerful. I've learned I don't want it to be a guessing game with how I feel, especially if I know the weight of my words. I'm going to share them. But on the contrary, the thing that I've had to personally adjust more than anything is they recommend in this book a sarcasm-free zone with your kids. They state no one will miss it. 
And the reason being is your words weigh too much to risk it. I love sarcasm. I do. I think I'm really good at it too. I think I'm really good at sarcasm, but it makes so much sense to me. I know too many people who have been hurt by sarcastic fathers, who don't like the joking, who rip on others to get the laugh. But to remove sarcastic talk is actually scriptural. Like Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Because of this, I have tried to remove it from my talk with my girls. And finally, in words, they say intent is irrelevant. We might intend to mean something, but our words are what our kids hear. Our words are what our kids hear. They may hear something slip up from us that you didn't mean to come out or you didn't mean it in a particular way, but our words are what are said. Apologies then need to be stated and followed up with. Intention does not matter. Words do is what they say. The last big random thing that the book left me with was the concept of faith. Uh, All of their children are in a relationship with them as parents, and they're all pursuing a relationship with Christ or Jesus together. That's the win, and that's the North Star that Sydney, my wife, and I have. Our children to be in a relationship with us and to pursue a relationship with Christ as a family. If they did that, I want to know how. Don't you? Well, they asked their kids, like, what helped them get to that? And Andy and Sandra Stanley, they made some we statements from what their kids shared with them. They stated this, we emphasized a personal relationship with God. We taught our children to pay attention to their heart. We prayed, we prayed together in every season. We were open about our own faith journey. And we kept our children engaged with our church. Are you doing any of those things? Are you doing any of those things for your kids to see you do? As I wrap up, I think we covered a lot of random things when it comes to parenting. But if you can leave with just one thing, such as declaring what your North Star is and looking to God to guide you there, I, and I think the Stanleys, think you are off to a great start. Today maybe is the first day that like, you've ever even thought about God or allowing him to help you parent. If that's you, I want you to know that he's full of grace, he's full of forgiveness and help and wisdom. Uh, so today, maybe you want to just ask God to help you in that for the first time, to, to lead you personally, to help you start your journey as a Christian. And if that's you, I'm going to pray and help you do that, and you can do that right now in a second here. Uh, but for those that have done that before, I'm going to pray that whatever stage we are in right now, that we can look to God to guide us to becoming the best parents or the best support to parents that we possibly can be. Would you pray with me right now as we close? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us uh, clarity on, on how you want to give us wisdom as parents. Some of us, God, right now are saying, we want your guidance, God. Guide us. Be with us. God, we want your direction in life. We want your forgiveness in life. And then, God, some of us right now are saying, we just... We really want you to help us figure out parenting or figuring out how to support parents. God, give us the wisdom. Give us the insight. Help us continue to look to your word so that we know what to do and we can do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.